0: Ephesians chapter 6. Today I'm going to begin a series. We'll see how the Lord takes this. The key to spiritual warfare victory. You got to get up, you got to stand up, and you got to get dressed. If you want to win, you are already in spiritual battle where you know it or not. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to not know that you're in a warfare. He wants to keep you ignorant. He wants to, you to be negligent because you don't understand. But to win, you've got to get up, you've got to stand up, and you got to get dressed. So let's take a look here at Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, verse 10, by the way, let me remind you that if you go down to (laughs) uh, verse 12, let's go there real quick. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of you know that even though it looks like it and feels like it, people are not your problem? It's the forces behind evil men and women. Is the motivating force that you can see in skin and and uh, with clothes on, but you got to understand that in the unseen realm is where the real battle is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, pastor, does that mean that there are evil spirits in heaven? No. Heavenly places in scripture is referred to in three different places. Sometimes, heavenlies or heavenly places just refers to the atmosphere above the earth, where birds fly. Where airplanes operate. Sometimes Heavenly Places talks about interstellar space. That vast realm that you're beginning to see with the new telescopes. Vast realm of galaxies and all kinds of, of planets that orbit interstellar space. Is sometimes what's referred to as as Um, heavenly places. So understand that this is talking about the first two realms of heavenly places. The atmosphere, we can actually see in the atmosphere, and then there's realms where we can't see, especially with the natural eye, uh, where there's also access to demonic forces. Demons are simply angels that fell along with Lucifer in his rebellion in heaven when he tried to place his throne above the throne of almighty god so understand that there is a vast host of spiritual enemies that are under the command of the evil one and remember what his his motives are jesus said it john 10:10 10, 10. he comes to steal kill and destroy So there is a vast host of spiritual enemy that is against you. They desire to steal, kill, and destroy from you everything that is good that comes from God. So, understanding that could be a little overwhelming, could it not? Well, it could be if we don't know the truth. Let's go back now to verse Ten. And by the way, the Lord never told us to be preoccupied with demons. We we should know that they exist. We should know what their agenda is. The Bible is very clear, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Don't be intoxicated by the things of this world. Be spiritually sober and on the alert so that you may... Resist the devil. Your adversary, the devil, seeks someone to devour. Therefore, be steadfast. Resist him firm in your faith. So we, we need to understand and be aware that there is a spiritual enemy who has a vast host of resources who is against us. But there's nowhere in Scripture where the Bible says that we're to ever be preoccupied trying to find a demon behind everything. The Bible does say that we're to be preoccupied with the Lord Jesus. That we are to, be, to put on the mind of Christ. That we are to constantly keep our eyes and our focus on the Lord. And when the Lord, uh, when the Lord identifies a pocket of resistance or a personality behind that resistance, then we are in the authority of the Lord with whom we should be preoccupied to speak by authority in faith to that spiritual host that has come against us. Are are, are y'all understanding it? Many have gotten absorbed in what the devil is doing instead of being absorbed in who they are in Christ Jesus. And that is a tool of the enemy to get you preoccupied all the time with the one who has uh, come from your defeat instead of the one who's already won your victory. Finally, brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Notice it doesn't say be strong in your education. Be strong in what you know and who you know. Be strong in what you have. No. Be strong in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? Then understand that he is your strength. And in the power of his might. There is an ongoing power. And it's the same power that was in the Lord Jesus. Who rests on the inside of you as the believer. His power is in you and available to you. The very resurrection power of the Lord Jesus and the devil is no match for that. Be strong in the Lord. So, admit that you're totally, totally helpless without him. You know one of the best ways to not walk in pride is to admit who you are apart from the Lord. (laughs) Lord, apart from you, I am nothing and I can do nothing. But thank you, Lord, that I'm not apart from you because with you and in you, I can do all things. So don't just stop halfway in that confession. Amen. Amen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power. Submit to his power. It is strength to say, God, I can't do this. Amen. I, I, I can't do this. Apart from you, I am nothing and I can do nothing. But I thank you that I am not alone. Hebrews 13, 5. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41, 10, I love it. Fear not, God says, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will hold you by my righteous right hand. I am with you. I will hold you. You're more than a conqueror in me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is through him who infuses his inner strength into me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything in Christ Jesus. It's his strength. We admit our weakness. We believe his promise of his strength. And we confess that it is ours and walk forward. You see where I've got a note there in your outline that we're not to always be looking for demons. But I will tell you this, we ought to always be armed and ready for the evil one. When this says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might because of this incredible opposition that we have, Not wrestling, uh, principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. That suggests an order, a regimen of spiritual forces that have come against us. He says in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. God has provided us armor. Why? That we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Not to run as fast as you can from the devil, but to stand. You know that word in the Greek for withstand has to do with, um, do you know what histamine is? Histamine? That which triggers allergies? Well, do you take an antihistamine? Do you take a Benadryl or something of that sort? What does that do? That blocks Allergy-producing histamine. That's the word here in the Greek. That you may be able to stand. Antihistamine. You may be able to stand against. That you may be able to block the attacks of the evil one. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to block the attacks of the evil one. The whole armor of God. And how many of you know when you get dressed... When you take up the whole armor of God and you put on that armor, then make no mistake about it, the enemy sees that. Do you know that the surest way to defeat the devil is not to have a deliverance ministry, although that's real and it's legitimate. But the best way to defeat the devil is, or remember, he is not omniscient, but he is very observant. He is not omniscient, but he is very observant. And one of the best ways to keep from the enemy from succeeding in attack about you is that when he constantly sees you ready, willing, and able to engage him should he decide to attack. Do you think this day, it would be wise for our country to say, you know what, we know that there are some there are some big time enemies out there. There are some that would love to see America's demise. So I think what we should do is we just kind of ought to keep our eyes open and if there should be an attack, what we need to do is We need to we need to gather up an army and a navy and an air force and a marines and a coast guard. We need to get we need to make a plan if we see an attack coming. Now, how stupid would that be? I'm talking about in the natural right now. Okay, I ain't talking about in the. I'm talking about in the natural right now. One reason why, one reason why, just one, but one of the reasons why there have been limited attacks on this nation on our soil is because the enemy knows that there is a fighting machine who is ready, willing, and able to engage if the opportunity involves itself. We live in a fallen world. Our nation should never neglect to have an active, well-trained, and ready defense. Never. You, if you want to succeed in spiritual battle, you ought to get dressed every day. You ought to get up Stand up and get dressed. Because the major deterrent you have and the major victory piece that you have is that you're ready, willing, and able. So that the enemy knows that if I, if I try to really put a hurt on him, or if I really were to try to do that, I am, I am going to get engaged with the name and the authority of the one who's already won the victory, and I will not prevail. I might put a lick on them. I might be able to, to, to get a little wound in here and there, but I will not prevail. And one of the problems with us as a body of Christ is, We're not ready, willing, and able to engage so that the enemy in the church corporately these days sees an enemy that's not very formidable, not dressed, not ready. Notice what he says here. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Not to run, but to stand. What is the evil day? The evil day is when it feels like all hell has broken loose against you. The evil day is when it feels like you're losing everything. That there's no hope. In the evil day is when your circumstances stack up over and over and over and over and over over again. And everything appears to be lost. The evil day is that day where you, you, you seem, it feels like you're forsaken. You don't have any assets. You don't have anybody standing with you. The evil day comes against all of us at some point. The word says that we ought to have our armor on in the evil day. We ought to be ready, standing in God's strength. I don't know, Pastor, this is just unnerving to me to hear about all these principalities and powers and world forces of darkness and uh, all that. Okay, all right, I can see where if you just read that in your natural mind. You could feel that way. But what I want you to do is turn with me now and go two books over. Go through Philippians and get to Colossians chapter 2. Go two books over with me from Philippians to Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, the word of God tells us something absolutely incredible that happened for each of us who are now decided to receive Jesus as our Lord. And it talks about how God sees things for us. It's how God, listen, you're never going to win in the natural until you get a revelation of what it's like in the spiritual. The victory's already won in the spiritual. Verse 12, we were buried with him in baptism. The Bible says that when we received Jesus by faith, the Holy Spirit placed us into, baptized, placed us into Jesus Christ. In which you also were raised with him. Everybody say it with me. I've been buried with him into his death, crucified, but raised by faith by God's work. Notice what it says there, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, What's this, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know what a trespass is? It's stepping over the line onto somebody else's property. Trespass, sin, is when we step across the line of God's perfect standard of righteousness. And we operate and choose and act out of line. We get on God's... We act in an unrighteous way. It's trespassing on the character and the nature of our God. But I want you to notice what this says. That when Jesus got on the cross, he took on himself every trespass that you have ever made. Verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. There was a law of God that said there is a standard of perfect, righteousness and holiness. But when Jesus went to the cross, that legal sentence that we were to die and be separated from him, the legal sentence of our sin was wiped out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paid in full. It was like the Lord looked at us behind the bars of our own sin. And when he was raised from the dead, it's like he went to those bars and put a sign on them saying, paid in full and opened the door. He said, come on out. Now I want you to keep going with me. Having wiped out the requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross all of the legality of our sin that said we don't deserve to know him we don't deserve heaven we don't deserve his presence all of that was paid for and it was legally paid for in heaven and look at verse 15 When Jesus nailed your sin to the cross, when you were raised with him by faith through the resurrection of Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. All of this demonic horde, all of the the organized enemies, enemies, demonic spirits that are against you, (laughs) all their ammunition has been legally removed from them. They were disarmed. And not only that, he made a public display of them. What does that mean? That means when Jesus went to the cross and you were with him, when he was buried and you were there, buried to your old life, and when you were raised, you were with him and when he ascended right through the atmosphere out from the Mount of Olives into the heaven of heavens. When he ascended there wasn't a single demon. There wasn't a single principality. There wasn't a power or a world force of the darkness. There was nothing that Satan could do to stop him. And he ascended right before the Father and is praying for you right now. Now that's victory. Victory. You need to understand that before you start focusing on all the principalities and powers and world forces of the darkness, that their legal rights over you have been removed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's my part? The part of the church, the body of Christ, is not to win the victory. It's already won. It's to enforce the victory that's already won. That is to stand up in it and on it and say, You are defeated in Jesus' name. This will not prevail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might take up that whole armor the whole armor and i'm going to give you one piece here right now verse 14 put on the waist belt of truth you see paul wrote this from roman prison he saw roman soldiers every day of his life and the roman soldiers uh, boy they they were well equipped for battle The only thing I don't like about this one is these were not battle shoes. You don't have open-toed shoes if you're in battle. Study indicates that the battle shoes, when they were engaged in battle, uh, were made out of steel. But there is a piece of armor here it's called a waist belt. It goes all the way around just like a belt. So you can, you can look at verse 14 and you can say uh, that was a, a, a large, sturdy belt. It's called the belt of truth. Uh, why would the belt of truth be the first piece of armor mentioned for a battle soldier? Well, why would that be? When you study about what a Roman soldier was dressed like, you would understand that a lot of times it was the waist belt where the, the, the sword was clipped onto that belt. And in one place, a, a shield was, was clipped onto that belt on the other side. But don't forget anatomy and physiology. Physiology. Don't, do you hear all these people that constantly say, your, your core is the key. Your core is the key. Is that, is that right? Yep. Greatest athlete we'll ever see in this church. Your core is the key. It's where you get your ability to stand. It's your leverage. It's how you get yourself in position and stay in position when you're knocked around. Your core is the key. The key to all this weaponry is the waist belt of truth. It's the truth. How did God define the truth? John 17, 17, Jesus' prayer for you. Sanctify them. Father, set them apart in the truth. Thy word is truth. So if it if it doesn't line up with thy word, then I'm going to say it's not the truth for me. The truth is the word. It is the waste. It is the number one armor. How are we? treating the word of God as far as their, our personal armor. Well, I'm, I like that sword, I like that helmet, I like, what? no. All that's good and it's necessary, but the first thing you got to do is put your belt on. The waist belt of truth. The word of God. Without it, I lose my stance. Without it, I get pushed over easily. It's the key to my leverage and my balance. My core is the key. And I close with this. John eight thirty one and 32. Jesus said it like this. If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciple. And you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free our first defense against the evil one and his methods the deceiver the wiles of the devil the carefully thought out methods is to put on the waist belt of truth whatever it takes for you on a daily basis whether it's reading a passage of scripture whether it's on your iphone whether it's in a book Whether you're listening to someone preach or teach, get that word, the word of truth, on the inside of you. When you're listening to others, make sure it's a a steady and reputable word from a steady and faithful source that lines up with the word of God. Jude says that the word of God, the scriptures, were once and for all given. As long as this this church has this leadership, the word of God will be the standard. let stand, please. I want to say again, the best defense that you have is for the enemy to see and know that you're ready. You're willing and you are able to engage and defend at all times. Ready, willing, and able to defend and engage at all times. Right now, in your time of prayer, I wonder if you'd say to the Lord, Lord, I've gotten distracted. I haven't been as faithful as I need to be to stand in your strength. But depending on my own self, I recognize that I am no match for spiritual warfare by myself. I recognize from this word today that I got to get up, I got to stand my ground, I've got to get dressed in the armor of God. And I say to you, Lord, by the grace that you give me, I can and I will do it. Father, we just ask in the mighty and holy name of Jesus that by your spirit today that you'll give us a new desire, a new willingness to put on that armor that you have already provided. Thank you that you already won the victory. Thank you that heaven knows it. Thank you that even the demons of hell know it. God, help us to know it and to share it and to walk in it. To enforce that victory that has forever, spiritually, legally, been won. I ask you for all of these, Lord, that you would keep them, that your joy would be made full on them, that you would keep them from the evil one and sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true pray this in the mighty and holy name of Jesus and all the people said. Go with God, he's going with you.